Blog Talk Radio. should have happened, right? And when I say maybe, I know people are going to be like, maybe it was the biggest robbery of the, you know, 21st century. Uh, but yeah, um, I did have, uh, I did have Josh Taylor losing that fight, or at least not winning it. <laughs> you know what I mean? At least not winning it. But we will uh, talk through some of that Taylor Catterall fight, of course. I mean, Rigo, Rigan Dial got upset. Tons of upset. Um, on Kanhas, I mean, a whole lot of upset. Obviously, Chris Colbert, that Showtime triple header, definitely was the bomb. That was the card of the weekend. Um, Antoine Russell showed out against Postal. You could say, you know, stoppage wasn't great, of course, but um, the performance, I thought, you know, for where he's at, Russell really did good. Um, Akoli, um Lawrence Acoli on Sunday night. Um, there actually was a, a come-from-behind knockout on that card uh, that I saw, too. But uh, what was it, the fifth round, I think, that Acoli scored the knockdown? It was a pretty slow, kind of ugly fight. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, so, yeah, we're definitely going to recap. That's where we're going to start in the ring. And then we have uh, two separate fights, one Friday, one Saturday. Uh, Jose Ramirez and Jose Pedraza. Uh, fight on ESPN on Friday night. Of course, Ramirez is coming off uh, his first loss as a professional and Josh Taylor last. That was May, right? Last May. And Pedraza, just a solid top 10 guy who, you know, has enough, got that little in and out action. He can work on the inside, um, but he's kind of like, he has movement, but it's like at the edge of the pocket type. You know, he's, he's pretty damn crafty, so I could see at least, if not the whole fight, but a, a chunk of that fight, I could see actually him given a little bit of issues anyway, um, Ramirez. And then on Saturday night, um, Chocolatito, Roman Gonzalez, uh, Gonzalez-Martinez. I mean, that that's going to be an action 
fight, I assume. I would have to assume, of course, Martinez is coming up. So we'll see exactly how that works. Um, you know, I, I don't think it'll mean, or I don't think it'll be that uh, big of a, a deal for him to, to come up. Um, you know, Gonzalez isn't fresh, right? So, I mean, that helps this case as well. Um, but, yeah, um, I am looking forward to that fight, though, because uh, Julio Cesar Martinez is just a, a fun fighter to watch, man. Definitely a fun fighter to watch. So, and, of course, we'll talk fight news since the last time we spoke. We didn't know 100%, but now we do. Canelo and Bivol, May 7th, they had the presser today. Actually, Spence and Ugas had their presser today as well. Um, I had kind of forgot they were both today. For some reason, I just totally, I totally spaced it. And then, of course, it's a two-fight deal for Canelo anyway um, with Golovkin in September as long as Golovkin gets by Murata. And we do have a little bit of news, uh, you know, pertaining to that. Um, so, yeah, we have, you know, some more current fight news that we'll talk about. A, a card just got announced here in Minneapolis at the Armory that I'm pretty excited about. Looks like a pretty good card. Um, I'm really happy Tim Zhu uh, in company, right? Because uh, he's fighting Boucher. They're basically, they were undercard fights. And I think two of them were going to be, I think two of them, for sure the main event with Tim Zhu and Boucher, um, were going to be the co-feature for uh, Charlo Castaño too. But of course, we know the rematch got pushed back. We don't have an exact date with that. I don't think there's actually been an official – didn't the WBO come out and – I don't think they've made a decision finally on that. But anyway, um, so, yeah, there's, uh, there's you know, just some current fight news. There's also this stuff you see going around pertaining to, of course, Russia invaded Ukraine. Like I said, my thoughts go out to everybody involved, but especially Ukraine. Um but Russian fighters slash athletes, not just boxing, you know, should they pay the price for Putin's actions? Um, you know, the Olympics are a little bit different view because that's on a huge platform. And then I could understand, you know, using that platform to say, hey, you know, you invaded Ukraine and, you know, you didn't need to do that, obviously. <laughs> and, um, maybe getting banned from the Olympics. That that's a different ball game than what we've heard. Uh from even some sanction belts talking about they're gonna knock out some of the people, uh, some boxers in rankings. Um clearly, you know, Bibble's Russian and he's not gonna get, you know, uh knocked off the card or anything like that. But there's just been some talk in general outside of boxing we've seen some uh, major events that were going to take place in Russia get canceled. And just going to give my thoughts on that a little bit. Like I said, there is a couple other items as well. Looks like Andre actually does is going to accept that deal. Kind of interesting how that played out. Um, it's really interesting because Hearn had this great idea for Andre to go up and fight Parker and then if he wins, then he could fight Benavides if, if he beats Lemieux. But he didn't – I don't know. It's like he – I'm not saying the fight is worth a ton of money, but losing the purse bit is just kind of funky. Now, it, 
Because it just it doesn't appear that he's going to get his minimum. But maybe he is. Maybe Hearn's going to give him a little extra money to make up for it. I don't know. It's just kind of funky. Like, we got this plan, and you're getting behind Andre, and you're paying. We don't know exactly what he's making, but we know he's making more than one point one or whatever he'd make here. So it's just weird to pay him for all these other mediocre, poor opponents. And then now when he gets a little bit closer and puts himself in position of either making, you know, a mandatory for Canelo or, like I said, that Benavides thing, I'm not saying that would have worked anyway, but I'm, I'm just saying, you know, maybe that would be the fight and then Charlo and Plant can fight, you know. I'm not saying I'm against the fight. It's just, it's just funky, especially with now that you have Canelo. Maybe they're tightening, you know, the budget because of that. But I remember him talking last year that they ha- they get more budget. Well, it's a new year, so maybe it's different. But he was saying Eddie Hearn was saying that he gets a, you know, he gets a, a bigger budget. Well, clearly he needs one with Canelo if he get Canelo. But it just, I don't know. It just seems weird to like string Andre along this long and you could say overpaying him, whatever. But then now when it's time to overpay to put him in a position you were talking about, then you, I don't know. It's just weird, man. Like I said, maybe there's a, a deal where he is going to make up the, the difference and he'll get his minimum. I don't know, man. I really don't know. Uh, but there is a lot of people talking about the Canelo and Bivol and, and triple G stuff. And, uh, upon that a little bit. I'll give my thoughts on it. Some people, especially American fight fans um, and casuals. Casuals don't know Bivol. The hardcores, of course, we know Bivol. I think it's an interesting style matchup. I really do. I think it's. I don't think it's an easy fight at all. Um, you could make an argument that that could be the most tough, just style-wise. Even though Bivol is basic, um, what he does, he does really well. He's got a good amateur pedigree. I think if this was like two years ago, Two, three years ago when he – Bivol had that run where it was like Barrera and Joseph Jr. and, you know, some other just quality fights, and then it just fell off. And so I think that's kind of in the back of people's minds. But I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that, you know, especially like the Charlo and Benavides fight compared to the Triple G fight. And we do hear a lot of, hey, you know, well, who is Charlo fought? Who, who is Benavides fought? And that's a fair point, but you could make an argument like who did Yildrum fight to get a shot at Canelo? Who did, uh, you know, I mean, like uh, Rocky Fielding? Who did he Who did he beat? Um, you could even say Caleb Plant, but he had a belt. That's why, right? Um, I'm just going to kind of talk that through a little bit. Um, but if this is your first time listening to the Rope Dope Radio podcast, welcome. Is streamed live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash rope it open radio. You don't have to go to blog talk and rope it open. Download the show directly there. Listen to the browser. If you don't want to, you can find the Rope Dope Radio podcast platform on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spricker, uh, Amazon Music, also part of the Grilling True Sports Podcast Network. One more thing. If you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have, you're not quite happy, I got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. The prices start as low as $69.99 a month. It's the best of live TV and on-demand. Um, no annual contract, no hidden fees. If you upgrade to the Choice or Ultimate Package, that'll give you three free months of HBO Max. Plus, you get to enjoy regional sports networks with no additional fees. 
boxing fans, this might interest you twofold. If you go to the premiere package, that gives you HBO Max and Showtime already included. And I believe uh, Showtime is $11 on this platform. That's DirecTV Street. Okay. So, um, like I said, we, we do have a fair amount to talk about. And I, like I said, I generally like to start in the ring. Maybe I'll go a little long at times with the intro and talk a little bit about the news and whatnot. But um, we had so many damn fights that I want to dig into this one. And Josh Taylor and Catterall, um, the ref was Marcus McDonald, didn't have a great night. <laughs> he got very involved. Um you know, took some points away. I'll give my take on that in just a little bit. But before before we go full-on robbery, like I, I've heard some people say, like, this is the worst robbery they've seen in years and all that. I, I disagree with that. I do disagree with that. One of the scorecards I thought was pretty bad, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you this is the worst robbery. Just, or not never, but, you know, in a while. It's it just not. You could say the year, maybe. but I, Now, don't get me wrong. I had Catterall winning. I did. I definitely did. But I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon and say this was just the worst. Because it was tight. There's no such thing. I mean, did you have it 9-3 to three or 10-2? to? Did you have a 10-2 to two for Catterall or something like that? Like, even 9-3, to three, I, don't, I don't see that, you know? Now, I don't see seven rounds that you can give Taylor either. I really don't. And you obviously have to, you know, to get the fight. You know, for him, to, you have to, he has to have seven five to win the fight. He can't win it on a draw. I saw a lot of people say, I had it a draw. Well, how did you score the, I saw plenty of people say I had it a draw, actually. And some of these people, not all, but some of these people hate when you have a tie round. Six five one seven four one whatever you know, I, I get shit throughout the year for that, and that's cool, that's fair. But how did you have it a draw? Like, how did you have it a draw? Like, how can you? Because if it's seven to five, that's not a draw. You know, it, it's not. And it, of course, if you have it six six, that's not a draw because two points deducted. For Taylor and only one point for Catterall. So I, I just kind of, I think people just kind of, just kind of talk like, oh, I had it a draw. Okay, but how, like, what was your score of it? Because you don't, I mean, that that point difference, don't you had, maybe I'm wrong. So 115, 113, let's say you had, you had uh, Taylor winning seven to five, 115 to 113. Well, if you take away two points, that's 113. You take away a point, that's 112. So 113 to 112. You see what I'm getting at? If it's 6 to 6, that's 114 apiece. Well, we know that's not going to get Taylor a draw. So how? if you don't score tie rounds, which a lot of people don't, and I'm not ripping you, but how did you have this a draw if you didn't have that? that that's that's what I'm wondering. But anyway, I had, um, I had Catterall winning three out of the first four rounds. I really did, and I thought it was fairly cleanly. 
You know, he came out with that jab and a few left hands. By round two, the shit was already getting feisty. It wasn't a great fight. Um, sometimes, and I, I, you know, I've done the same thing. Sometimes you, because it's an upset happening, you're, you're like, oh my god. You know, it's really just what was going on in the fight, and in in how Taylor was losing is what made this fight really intriguing and kind of like, what's he going to do? You know, and he did close well, by the way, but it wasn't before he got knocked down. So out of the first four rounds, I did give Taylor, um, I thought he land, landed a couple of really nice body shots overall. Um, you know, I, I think he landed the better shots in round two. Catterall, I think, almost lifted up Taylor in that one. But then the third, fourth, and actually the fifth, you know, I, I definitely gave the Catterall. I thought he landed a, some nasty body shots. Uh, Taylor seemed like he was missing, looking for just one big shot. I mean, he did that almost the whole fight. Um, the left hands, just straight left hands over and over again. Um, some really good two-way stuff in the fifth round. But there was like a, a three-punch combination that was flush as hell. And, and for me, that won the round. And you could just kind of see him, uh, Catterall, tagging Taylor with more jabs, more left hands, you know. And But then I got to say, down the stretch, beyond the eighth round, I definitely, I mean, Taylor started finding success finally, no doubt about it. Now the eighth, what was it, 40, 40 I think I have it in my notes, 45 seconds into the round, a left hand drops him. Taylor gets knocked down. You could see the right eye, I believe, was cut and swollen. Um, and then, like, the last, probably right around a minute, there was some really fun exchanges in that eighth round. But that's a 10-8 round. And like I said, as far as those deductions, um, there was a deduction. Catterall pulled the head down, right, right in front of him. He kind of pulled, like, kind of over the top on a break, did pull his head down. And then near the end of it, well, hold on, let's – uh. Well, I, I got to say, by the ninth round, you could see Catterall was starting to get gassed because he was holding way too much. You know, he, he started – he just, you know, he, he just was holding too much. I mean, that, that's that's it. Um, but so I did give Taylor, you know, like I said, the seventh, the ninth. Uh, of course, the tenth, that's where uh, he pushed him down. Um, the rest sucks, though. But, you know, it is what it is. But he, he – Taylor was starting to land not just the body, but some really nice uppercuts as well. The 11th round was close, though. That's where you could maybe give Catterall that one, obviously. Um, oh, that was that was actually the last. That, I forgot. Yeah, Catterall. I almost forgot about that. That was the one. That was the round where he, uh, um, where he hit him at the end. It was a slow round, though, but... You know, I think Joe Tessitore said that it was just a tap at the end of the round, like, hey, man, good good round, and then you tap me back. I I saw a little bit more than a tap, to be honest with you. He tapped him – If he, if, I mean, he tapped him pretty hard in the chest. Not to say he full-on swung at him, but it was – I don't know. I mean, usually you tap the head or the gloves or something – but to sit there and kind of punch him, I think it was a left hand, kind of punch him on the way back. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that it should have been deducted, but I don't think it was just a little light tap that we see amongst, hey, good round type stuff. 
amongst fighters. I don't think it was a hey, good round thing. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm not saying he should have got deducted. Um, and then Taylor was just busier, you know, landed some really nice left hands, whatever. Point is, um, probably the max I can go is 6-6, six, six, which is, uh, you know, a one-point win for Catterall. 6-5-1 is what uh, one of my – I think that's kind of my main scorecard, 6-5-1. Or 7-5 Catterall, 7-5 Catterall, you know, something like that. But – as far as like, you know, I, that's about all I can do. You know what I mean? That's about all I can do. Um, so yeah, I um, did think he won though. You know, like I said, I definitely thought he won. So don't don't you know, go too nuts on me. But I didn't think it was just this major major robbery. Um, so what was it? One thirteen, one twelve which is 651. Is that true? Yeah. And wasn't the other one 114-111? Is that what that was? One of them was, let's see. So was it 7-4-1 and 6-5-1? Is that what it was? Is that how we got to those scorecards? Yeah, because it wasn't 8-4. I don't think it was 8-4, actually. No, that would be eight to four. I'm looking at the scorecard. It says one fourteen to one eleven. So it, it'd be one sixteen one twelve. So one sixteen, you take two points off of Taylor, get you to one fourteen, and then you take a point off that'd be one eleven. Wait a second, is that right? I should have checked that out. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I know that. Uh, I know that after the fight, when he got to look at it, you know, right away he was saying, if it wasn't for that point deduction, it'd be even wider. You know, I won the fight. But he did, you know, he did actually say, you know, it's been a few days. And, um, you know, after, you know, being with his family, he hadn't seen for a few months, I had a chance to watch the fight back. This is uh, Josh Taylor, I believe, on Instagram. He said, first and foremost, I want to congratulate Jack Catterall on his great fight. He rose to the occasion and fought valiantly, um, or a valiant fight, whatever. However, I, I believe I won a very close fight. Many fans believe Jack deserved it, and that's fine. We both went in there, fought our guts out for 12 rounds. Uh, but the personal attacks on myself, especially my family, are disgusting. I'll call, I'll call for um, the, the personal attacks on a fighter, I wouldn't. Like, I personally sometimes say it's uncalled for, right? Um, Especially personally, but the family all the way. Because some boxers do get personal anyway, literally on Twitter to people. (laughs) But a lot of times it is, you know, people on Twitter just freaking out. Um, My days are at 140 are numbered, which is kind of like are numbered. That kind of sounds like you, you don't have many more days there. So, but you have some days, though. You know, so he says, my future is at welterweight. Uh, so, you know, he deserves another title shot, basically saying, hey, I'll give it to him, but I can't make that weight. He's just, you know, leveling with us, basically. So I think that's respectable. Obviously, it's a huge fight in the U.K., no doubt. Uh, but it's obviously not, it doesn't mean the same. 
Catterall's definitely not a small guy, though. You know, that's for sure. So, and I say that just because, you know, maybe he could be okay in this in this fight at 140 or whatever. But um, I don't know. I mean, it just sucks for him, you know. But like I said, this crazy robbery, you know, I don't I don't see that. Like I said, I can't I can't give him seven rounds. I can't give him eight rounds. I barely can give him six, which, like I said. That's still a loss for Jack, uh, Josh Taylor. Jack Taylor. Josh Taylor, I thought Catterall won the fight. But it was competitive. I mean, the second half of the fight was a lot closer than people, you know, say. So, um, I don't know. I mean, we see it at times when someone wins, like, three or four rounds as a major underdog, and, and that'll be a draw. You know what I mean? So, I know that this is going to bother some people, and I know I'm going to get messages over that, and you guys go ahead and do it. But I just didn't think it was just a highway robbery. Like, oh, my God, that was the worst shit ever. I just – maybe I'm burnt in the sport. You know, maybe I'm just – maybe I'm just, like, numb. Not burnt, but numb. I've been burned by, by the sport. But maybe I'm just numb, and I just – I needed to be like a nine to three, ten to two. I needed to be like uh, an Arislandi Lara, you know, Paul Williams, that, that, you know, something like that. Um, but yeah, I did think he he got screwed. Like he should have won the fight. Um, and I thought, like I said, that McDonald sucks, but the, the rest, but you know, it is what it is. But either way, it sounds like Josh Taylor is going to one forty-seven. What do you do? I mean, he's about to drop all the the titles. And 140 is about to kind of pop off again. You know, when Terrence Crawford left a few years ago, there was, like, guys that are just entering their prime and on that contender prospect level, right? And we were all pumped up, a lot of hardcore fight fans, when, when uh, you know, Crawford went up because we all thought Crawford would beat all these guys. But now that he's gone – all of a sudden, there's a blend and a mix of like, I don't know, dude. I mean, look at how many close fights Taylor Taylor had just there. The post-all fight, that was very competitive. I thought, of course, the pro-grade fight was even closer. So, and the Ramirez fight was really close. I mean, he knocked him down twice, but it was competitive. So, and then obviously this fight. So, I mean, I don't know. I guess my point is, does Catterall go up just for that one fight, then come back down and have a title fight? Or because you can always go go up. Why not get a title shot and then uh, try to win one, and then go fight Taylor some other time? Of course, if you lose, then all of a sudden maybe that oh you know he moves on or whatever. I don't know. It's a tough decision, man. But I feel for Catterall, no doubt about it, because I thought he fought well enough to win the fight. But I just can't go way over the top on that and say it was just a horrendous robbery. It was the worst thing. I just didn't have it 10-2 to two or 9-3, to three, personally. 8-4? Um, to four, uh, Maybe. Maybe. 7-5? to five, Sure. I think 7-5 to five is like about what I'd go. Anyway, I, I'm just going to keep repeating myself. Sorry. Um, and, man, when you look at this weekend, though, you know, of course, upsets galore, but I mean, some of these upsets, dude. I mean, Hector Guerrero, I'm looking at plus 1,300-ish. You know what I mean? Like, these are, like, really, like, if you look at Fernando, he actually was more like a, I think he was like a plus, you know, something like that. 
but yeah, dude, there was some really, really big upsets, man. Big upsets. Um, a few other fights that I do want to um, talk about here. Uh, Chris Colbert and Hector Garcia. And man, you know, Colbert talked a lot of shit. Got his primetime moniker coming in flashy. Talking that shit, right? Obviously. He was, uh, and he's good at it. He is very good. But when you fight the last few rounds like you did, whew, um, not a good look, to say the least. Not a good look whatsoever. And I'm not here to be like, oh, he's a quitter. Oh, he's this. You know I mean, he did, though, the last couple of rounds. He wasn't trying. <laughs> if you don't, he didn't quit because quitting is just quitting. But he was like, I'm good. I'll get him next time, man. We'll, we'll get him next time. You want to get him next time? Let's get him next time, dude, because uh, I'm not trying to go there. And, you know, he had so much to say about so many fighters. And some of the stuff, you know, I mean, there's plenty of stuff that he said that was, that could, you could say, oh, that was spot on or whatever. Some of it was like, eh, I don't know. But, hey, everybody's got an opinion, and I always respected his opinion because it was his, you know. And, and he was, hey, he wasn't sugarcoating it. You know, he wasn't playing the platform or anything because he was on the PPC. He talked about a variety of PPC fighters. So um, the first round was close, <laughs> right? Um, but you could see – Colbert was standing right in front of him way too much early and often. Like, how many rounds could you give to Colbert? I'm looking at my my uh, scorecard. I mean, how how many rounds? Not many. <laughs> I mean, really, not many at all. The third round was pretty close. Um, but yeah, it's just he he was just. It's like he just didn't take the fight serious. And okay. You know, I can understand. First of all, oh boy, is a southpaw, right? And it was a late replacement. And you know what? I want to clear up something. I actually, I believe I was talking about this fight last week. I could get this wrong, but I think did I? I think I said that he was already fighting on the card as a re- possible replacement, and that was not true. So I can't remember if I said that last week or if I was talking about some other fighters, because obviously we've seen that lately, or just in general replacement, you know, like paid replacements. So they're paid to train, and you know, and a lot of times they're on the fight, you know, or the card, like Ugas and whatnot. But I could have got that wrong. I want to clarify that. Um, which makes <laughs> what Hector did that much better, if you think about it, dude. I mean, wow. Like, if that's true, well, it is true. <laughs> I shouldn't say it. But, I mean, damn, dude, that is that much more impressive. Um, Like, holy shit. Anyway, like I said, the body work, you know, just staying active, throwing combinations. And you didn't see Colbert using his footwork, his jab barely, just sitting on the rope. You know, I mean, Hector did a great job of trapping him on the rope over and over and over again. And sure, Colbert at times would answer back, but nowhere, you know, enough. 
I'd say maybe around the mid-rounds, the fifth, sixth round, you actually did see Colbert starting to use his feet more and starting to throw jabs in that uppercut. But he'd go right back on the ropes. Or not just go there, but, you know. Sometimes it felt like he backed himself into the ropes. Not taking any way from Hector. You know, he, he did a great job. But um, it's funny because, like, right around sixth, seventh round or whatever, like, <laughs> I mean, his corner said, hey, man, you talk all that shit, I'll do it. Like, you got to do it, dude. I don't know what you think you're some kind of star and you don't, you're going to get the De La Hoya Sturm treatment or something. I just don't, it was crazy. You know, it was crazy. And then when he got dropped, that left hand, he walked right into it, right into it. Um, And then, you know, uh, Garcia landed more combinations as well. Colbert ended up surviving. Colbert just tracking him down, jab, body shots. Um, You know, in the ninth round, he saw Colbert have a little bit more success, but it just, it was crazy, dude. I mean, just power punches alone, 200 to 101 for Garcia. Thank God the scorecards got it right. Uh, 118-109, two of them, and then 119-108. Give them a round, maybe two. Maybe. That was crazy, dude. I did not see that coming whatsoever. I'm not going to come up here and tell you, well, I'll tell you what, man. I've seen that guy a bunch of times, and I knew not. I didn't know that shit. I didn't know that shit. I'm not going to lie to you. I, know, I mean, I knew a little bit about the guy. I've seen him fight, but... I mean, I'd seen Catterall fight twice. Probably watched, like, you know, a couple rounds of other fights or highlights of fights or something, you know, just to get a feel for him, but... Shots out to freaking Garcia, dude. <laughs> this one's shocking. It's still kind of shocking. But yeah, Colbert didn't want to fight at the end. Put it neutrals like, ah, this goes, man, we're good. Get, I'll get you next year, man. I'll get you on the... Let's get a rematch going. Now, one thing I'll say is Colbert was straight up after the fight. And to be to be fair... Sometimes some humble dudes, once they once they uh, lose the fight, they leave the ring, right? I mean, how many times did Cotto leave the ring, right? Loma left the ring recently, right? I think they tracked his ass down. But, you know, it, sometimes the humble guys aren't so humble when the fight's over, right? Um, sometimes the guys that talk a bunch of shit are not humble after the fight, right? We've seen that. But that, I'll give him credit there, though. I want to give him credit there because he said, I, you know, he was the better man, not my knight, blah, blah, blah. But to me, it's that matchup is really bad for him. I don't really look like – I mean, you can have bad nights, but I don't look at that fight and go, man, he just had a bad night. I mean, he had a bad night, but it wasn't – he wasn't trying to do much of anything else. So it's like, so what, are you going to move the whole time then? I don't know, man. It was crazy, though. That shit was crazy, dude. I still can't believe it. Still can't believe it. But anyway, shout out to Hector Garcia, and we'll see where Colbert goes, man. Talking all that shit about Gary Russell Jr. And, you know, he could do this, he could do that. He's got Stevenson on his mind, and it, he just overlooked him. And, like, major overlook. And it's not just that. 
you know, if you think about it. Because, like I said, he, what adjustments did he make? Not many. Not many at all. Um, on Cajas and Martinez, Fernando Martinez, here's another one. I mean, 115, dude. The gift that keeps on giving. Talk about your payoff at 115. 122 is popping. Dude, just popping off. Anyway, uh, I had it 1-1 after the first competitive uh, competitive first two rounds, I thought. Um, good action, that's for sure. Uh, on Conjas, did get to the potty, body, more potty, the body. <laughs> um, whereas Fernando, you know, had his lead less and his, and his lead uh, right or his right hooks too. Um, the third round I gave to Ancajas, the left hand kind of effective. He kind of stumbled him a little bit or froze him a little bit, Martinez. But Martinez was getting, you know, to the body and head with his left hook. Um, fourth round was very competitive. Uh, Martinez, those lead left hooks to the head and body, that's where you could really – I mean, after the fifth round, it was tough to not give every every round to Fernando Martinez. I mean – There'd be times where he'd start the round very, very good. And, and you know, uh, credit to Ancajas, who actually did try to fire back and win this fight. Uh, you know, he, he, mid-rounds, he would do really good. But then, you know, it seems like Martinez would just, you know, finish strong and land to the body. And, and so the sixth round was close. I'm looking at my scorecard right now. Um, but the thudding, the left hand, just thudding body shots. Beyond you know some jabs and hooks and here and there's, but it wasn't much amount cost, you know, just couldn't do it. I mean, like I said, fun as hell. And by the eighth round, I mean Martinez was just unloading with several flurries filled with just hard ass shots too. Um, ninth round, once again, on Cajas fought well. I mean, there was spots in that ninth round that it was two way. He was doing well. Once again, hooks and left hands, just finding a home, left and right. Um, and, you know, that's about it. I mean, he beat him, beat him clearly. It was it was the easy fight to score. Once again, two cards had it 118-110, and another had it 117-111. And when you look at these punch stats, am I looking at this shit right? Four, 426 to 192. Holy shit, I forgot that it was that big of a difference. Martinez um, threw 1,046. This mother effer, and I mean that in a good way, Fernando, when you throw 1,000 punches, 1,000 plus punches, and you land 41% of them, whoo-wee, like, that's that's nuts. 420, and don't get me wrong, on cost, like I said, he was trying his ass off. He threw 816 punches, almost threw, uh, or almost landed 200. So, I mean, what, you know, that shit, wow. Man, yeah, so Martinez, dude, like I said, 115's popping off on Cajas. Where does he go from here? Let's see. I'm not ready to just completely write him off, but it does suck for him because, you know, he's always, uh, even though, they said it on the broadcast, even though he's been in, in and around this weight class, right? He, he's still looking for his big, big shot. And he, it was coming next and all that stuff. And that's out the window. But a good competitive fight, though. Very fun to watch. One of the better fights 
of this year, I'd have to say. Is it fight of the year? I don't know. But for, I'll tell you what, for an opening card, like I said, this Showtime shit, like I know a lot of people said Showtime, not a lot, I, I take that back. A lot of, <laughs> I just said it again. Well, a lot of those people that said Showtime was going to be dead, just based on Eddie Hearn. Some people were giving detailed responses and, you know, making their own points, and, and I respected that. But man, a variety of folks. Some media members, too, not just part-time media members, but uh, said Showtime was going to be done. And, dude, Showtime had the best fights last year. And right now they've had three good cards, or two good cards. Um, they got an interesting card coming up, like I said, March 26th here at the Armory. But the PBC in general, I know people don't want to hear this. And some of these fights were on pay-per-view. And I've already given my opinion on the pay-per-view. Mario's and Thurman and all that, but if you look at the actual fights through the first two months, PBC's had several good ass fights. I mean, the cards have been deep. It's just there's just no way around it. Like I said, you may have not liked, you know, the Ortiz Martin on pay per view. I get it, but there were what seven fights, and like five of them were good. <laughs> One of them was just awesome. Two of them were really damn good. So my point is, BBC is popping off right now. And I know, like I said, it won't get – if this was Matchroom or Top Rank in the first two months, they'd be just giving them the first quarter. And honestly, you can basically give them the first quarter. You really can because there's some good fights in March. It's funny because it starts out good and then it kind of fades, kind of falters a little bit. Now, April, in the second quarter, April, you know, May, June, that's just, just popping back off, don't get wrong but uh kudos to pbc you know um we've gotten on them for some of their pay-per-view stuff but at the end of the day they've made the best fights and not really close so far this year and they made the best fights last year because if showtime had the best fights well we know what that means speaking of the pbc and swan russell gary and swan russell versus victor postal and uh you know postal like, I'd like to just personally thank him for fighting this fight. He tweeted it, you know, just like, just to be able to wrap your mind around what's going on. He's back there in the Ukraine now, posting pictures of him and his kid. I saw that. Um, but shouts out to you, Victor Postal. I'm going to get to Russell. Don't get me wrong. He fought well. And Postal looked good. Took him a couple rounds, but it does. It tends to take him a couple rounds. You know, this was his longest layoff ever, and I believe, and, and this is something I didn't know, the one before the layoff, because Ramirez's last fight, I think he had a long layoff prior to that, too. I think they said that on the broadcast. Um, but it, it did take him a while to get going, because Russell came out there, and he was, you know, he was bringing that pressure like he always does, but he was moving his head at times, working the head and body. Um, whereas post all you could see he was trying to get the it took him a little while to get the jab going. Then once he did, boom, he was landing that right hand. He was countering nicely, you know, in spots. Um Russell, couple of nice uh left hands to the head. That left hook was pretty nasty too. That straight kind of like a a left hook, a, a straight left. The straight left wasn't as tight actually as like the, the uh, overhand left in the left hook. I did notice that. But once you got, you know, 
Um, you could see in the third round, that's where Polestal found his group. I don't know if he won that round, but you could see he was throwing more. He was countering more with, you know, landing a few right hands. And then, he, you know, he could have maybe won that fourth round because um, he landed a couple of really nice ones. Um, but, you know, it was a two-way round. Russell landed his left hand, too. And it was leader counter, too. He, he was countering, too, by the way. Um, post all, I gave the fifth. I thought that was his best round at that point. And it seemed like he was able to contain Russell a little bit in that one, doing those little step-back counter right hands. He was active. So and when I say contain, I mean contain a little bit. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to say, oh, he, he throws him in his tracks, you know. Sixth round, very close round. Really close round. Uh, Russell closed stronger. Started stronger, some good exchanges in general in the last uh, minute or so, but that jab and more right hands that could have Polsto could have won that. Um, but then after that, I'm looking. I don't think I gave him another round after that. Russell took pretty much the rest of them. Like I said, hooks with both hands, and then he did counter. Like I was saying, he, you know, he started to counter really well working the body, landed uppercuts as well. Um, and then, you know, it was a bad stop. What was there, like, less than 30 seconds, 20-something seconds left? He was buzzed a bit, don't get me wrong. I mean, don't get it twisted. Postal was buzzed. I don't know if he was full on her, but he was buzzed. But, yeah, I didn't like the TKO stoppage, especially at that time frame, you know. And it's not like Postal's been stopped a bunch or something like that. So I thought the stoppage was garbage. And it, you know, it was garbage. The stoppage was garbage. And Postal's like looking at him like, dude, what? what I'm about to go get back to Ukraine. Do you think I'm? You think I'm hurt? I'm good, dude. You know, but you know, it is what it is. You know, the fight was over, and I don't really think there's a chance that Postal was just gonna. Um, you know, pull a uh, a Jordan Gill or something, right? Um, but uh, as far as Russell, though, that was a perfect fight for him. And he handled it pretty much like a vet. Pretty much, you know. You could, you could tack him a little bit. You could point out, ah, he's getting a little sloppy there, all the mid-rounds. And, oh, you know, he didn't move his head much and, or as much as he needed to. But then he'd get right back to it. And he was moving. He was moving his whole upper body and landed really well. He's fainting, you know. I mean, he was fainting with his body and his legs and his arm. You know what I mean? Like, he was really showing out. Like I said, that left hand is a stinger. But the I do think the straight left hand, he still needs to clean up a little bit. Um, because, like I said, left hook, overhand left, it's nice. But... All in all, now that we know Polestal wasn't completely over the hill or nothing like that, Polestal looked good. Let's remember that. Polestal, once he got going a little bit, he looked all right, looked fine. Didn't look like he was way faded or nothing like that. So that's, it was going to be a legit win anyway. But that really is a legit win. What is he, 16 fight? Is that, was that a 16 fight? So, yeah, it's going to look like he's knocked out everybody. Antoine Russell, 140. You better start ranking this dude. I mean, obviously you got to rank him now, but 140 is about to pop, dude. Taylor, go ahead, man. Your days are numbered. 
like zero is the number. Go up there and let's see a reboot, but for different reasons. Because like I said, we, not that we were happy when Crawford went up. I mean, we were happy because, hey, there's nobody here to beat him, and there is people that he can challenge. Now, that hasn't worked out too well, right? But that's neither here nor there. But, yeah, I'm ready for 142. I'm ready for 140 to rejuvenate again. That shit was a nice-ass run. Look at, I mean, look at how, like, Ramirez fought a bunch of solid dudes, but look at how many people Taylor fought at that weight. It's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. No doubt. Ramirez, Pro Gray, Postal, and more. Um, so, yeah. I want to see more Gary Russell Jr. And Postal, I mean, obviously, we'll see, you know, hopefully, you know, thoughts and prayers go out to everybody. So hopefully he'll, you know, be okay and, you know, everything will work out and he'll keep fighting, which I assume he will because, like I said, he didn't look bad. He didn't look bad at all. I think he's still with the BBC. So, you know, Al will bring him back. He's not going to just let him wither on a on a, on a fence. Okay, I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, um, let's see. How much further do we want to go on the, the recap? Lawrence Acoli. Did uh, knock down, was it Sizlock or whatever the hell you say his name is? He knocked him down like I think it was the fifth round. But the fight was, it just drug on, it was slow, it was like, it was one of those things that you get the knockdown and then it was like, oh, okay, I'm going to just tear his ass up. And he did just, it was ugly. They, they're falling on the, they fell, they both fell <laughs> like crazy. I don't know. It was, it was, it was getting ugly. It got ugly. But, these are fights that still develop you, and we'll see, you know, if that Bradis fight can go down. Or Bradis, 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 Bradis. Because um, that's the fight everybody wants to see at Cruiserweight. But still, it's a win is a win is a win. You can look better, na- out, you know, better next time. But, yeah, it was kind of a uh, – I don't know. It's like it kind of had shades of a, 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 a chunk of fights ago. Coley, where it was like, man, this dude is just pecking away. And I'm not saying he's pecking that whole fight because he wasn't, but it, it was not memorable. Not that every fight's going to be memorable, that's not what I'm saying, but um, Yafai won, I think, in what, four or five rounds? Um, who else? Oh, Fowler. Um, that Ward, Wardley or whatever is it Fabio um, Ramirez he uh, he won too the Cuban uh, standout oh and that Jordan Gill Jordan Gill came from behind he was in trouble he was in trouble uh, or I can't remember his name but that dude he landed that what was it a right hand one of the best knockouts, if not the knockout of the year so far. That was nasty. So, shots out to Jordan Gill. Because he was down in that damn fight, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Jordan Gill was down. That right hand was nasty. What was it, the ninth round? O2 Arena, just popping, dude. Just popping. But, yeah, it looked like he, uh, I mean, he, he, what was it, the, was it the eighth or ninth? It was it was a seventh. It was a seventh that he got knocked down. 
man. It, it, it was looking like, yeah, dude, it's, a, it's about to be a wrap, dude. And he was swollen. Like, it, it, it looked bad, dude. It looked really, really bad, and he pulled it out. And that, those are some of the things that you just love about boxing, right, where that, that shit happens. And he's like, oh, dude, that was money. That was freaking money. Um, but other than that, I think I think that about wraps it up. Oh, Rigo, you know what? I'll admit. I'll fully admit full Rigo fight. Rigan Dial got beat though. So I, I I gotta admit I I I I didn't watch the full fight. I'll just fully admit it right now. Um I did I didn't though. <laughs> I just did. I, I just I spaced it. In my, you know, I haven't heard a bunch of robberies or anything like that, but but I literally, I didn't watch the fight. I'll, I'll just be honest with you. Um, but I know he got knocked down. I saw him get knocked down. I know the scorecards actually, I had the scorecards around here. I think they were all the same, weren't they? Like 90, because this one, was this in Dubai? Where was it? It was in the Middle East someplace, 95, 94, all three. Whoo, man. But yeah, I did not, uh, I can't sit there and like make a huge, you know, I saw some highlights. I, I didn't, I didn't watch it all though. I didn't watch it all. Yeah, it was in Dubai. It was in Dubai. Um, Astrolabio, Astrolabio. I don't know, man. Um, like I said, I saw a little knockoff stuff, but yeah, it's it's crazy. I did not see that coming, and maybe that was just you know major overlooking or what. I don't know. I really couldn't tell you, but uh, I can tell you he's not. He lost back to back now, so we'll see where he goes. Um, is he signed with Pro Bellum too? Am I tripping on that? I, it's almost like anything from Dubai now. I'm gonna think it. Um. Oh, and then this weekend, of course, before we get to some fight news, we got some interesting fights. Friday night, ESPN, Jose Ramirez and Jose Pedraza, the battle of the Jose. No, um, Ramirez Pedraza, like I was saying earlier, Pedraza has this, like, crafty, quirky style that once he gets in a rhythm, he gets his jab going, he can counter you, he can do a little step back. He can circle you, move laterally. Uh, he can move, move, too. We've seen him work on the inside plenty. I mean, he probably worked on the inside too much against Cervante, right? But he had, like, two good rounds against Cervante. Um, the guys fought from 130, 35 before. Dude's fought a lot of guys, man. Um, so, and he's got this little in-and-out thing, too, where he can land some really snappy shots and then just dip, but not dip dip like uh, Colbert gone 10 speed, maybe a moped like a solar powered moped no, um is that a thing, do they have that, I'm sure they do um, Pedras is just, he's fun to watch, I like his style, I like his style I mean <laughs> he can be goofy at times he can make a bunch of noises when he punches and He'll toy with some people, too. 
But he's a good fighter, man. And I think that Ramirez has been out for a little while now. Shit, it's almost 10 months. And I do think through about, say, six rounds, um, and maybe a, a good chunk of the fight, too, or, you know, the whole fight, I could see this being an issue because of the style. Defensively, there are times where he's very responsible and he's, you know, he's on his game and all that, right? By the way, uh, Gabriel Flores Jr. in Abraham Montoya fight, uh, Contreras and uh, he's the underdog game. It's, uh, Tanahara, Tanahara, Hector, he, they fight on the undercard too, by the way. Um, actually, you know what? I'm looking for some odds, but I don't see. Don't see the odds for the fight. Am I tripping? Am I tripping? I must be missing it. Oh, there it is. So, and this is on ProBoxingOdds.com. Uh, ProBoxingOdds.com. Um, or did I just say that? <laughs> Gosh. Um, had a long day. Had a long day. So you can get, if you like Pedraza, you, if you like them, on five dimes, you can get them for plus Five two five. I see a lot of uh, right around plus four hundred, so four to one odds. I mean, I wouldn't be. I'd probably dabble. I'd probably dabble on that because you don't have to put much. I don't. Uh, I don't know if Ramirez is going to knock him out. Is this a ten rounder? It's a ten rounder. Hey, who? I don't know who I'm asking when I say that. Well, actually, I do. Somebody text me. Is this a 10-rounder? I can't remember. I can't remember. Huh. Actually, let me check. But, you know, Ramirez, obviously, can he be outboxed for a chunk of time during a fight? Yeah, of course he can. But even a guy like Taylor, I mean, Taylor actually, funny enough, Taylor won that fight with some inside, real old school crafty type shit in that fight. This is a 12 rounder. It's a 12 rounder. So, I mean, that run that he had Zapata, which I actually think if you're going to. Some people were like, oh, Postal beat him. I thought it was a close fight, but I didn't think Postal beat him. But I'd have been just fine if people say Zapata won that fight. Um, but he had a nice run. That's for sure looking at, you know, some of the guys he fought at 140. But yeah, 114, 112, all three scorecards. I mean, it was the, so yeah, the six and the seven. Um, man, I don't, I don't know. I mean, can he knock him out? Yeah, he can, he can knock him out, of course. He can. But Willie, you know, I guess my point is, do you, you know, like Pedraza, right? Like, I feel like he's crafty enough and he can hold, he can do a lot of shit to to survive. And I understand, like, he did, you know, been stopped before. It's not like he is unstoppable, you know what I mean? Um, but it's not like, I mean, there's only one guy that stopped him. Um, and that was a long time ago. 
Um, and Zapata, who's got, you know, good power, <laughs> um, he didn't put him down. That was a good competitive fight anyway. I thought Zapata won the fight pretty quickly, but it was competitive. Um, Lomachenko did put him down. Uh, yeah, he did put him down. So I think it's going to go the distance. I think Ramirez is just slowly but surely wear him down. Second half of the fight, he won't be landing as effective. And I do see Ramirez winning this fight, but like I said, taking a little flyer out on if you can get it plus 400 and up wouldn't be silly. Do you, you know, do you, do you cover the bet by saying, Hey, that's why I was looking at a knockout because obviously that pays more than just didn't win it. It's such a big favorite. Well, not a crazy favorite for boxing three and four to one is not really that big, but because obviously the, you know, if you're going to have Ramirez, if you can make a personal bet for Ramirez, I would do that. That, that could work. Um, but, yeah, balancing that out, is there enough, it's, it, you know, you do have to put a decent amount to make some money on, on, on Ramirez, obviously, but that's why if you just put a, a small percentage of it on the knockout, either way you're going to make money. Well, not really because if there's no knockout, but, a, but an upset, I mean, an upset. An upset, you don't have to put much money on it. So, that's one of those fights. So I, I, but I do have Ramirez win. I think he'll win. Now the other fight that I'm, you know, excited about, and most people are, right, um, is obviously Roman Gonzalez and uh, Julio Cesar Martinez. Martinez moving up, but man, when you look at this, I mean, it's damn near. As far as boxing goes, this is basically pick 'em. I mean, plus 120, plus 116. <laughs> that's funny. Plus 115. Like that's that's a pick. And it's funny because you go, oh, you know, Julio, he's smaller. He's coming up. He's smaller than, well, he's 5'2", 64-inch reach. So you think, yes, he he's smaller. He's coming up from smaller. But then you can go 5'3", 64-inch reach. You know, so you're like, ah. Okay, so there's really, there's not, there, it's not really that much of an advantage at all, <laughs> you know, for Gonzalez. So, um This one is a little interesting to, to try to predict 100%. Um, you know, I remember, what's the first fight I saw? I think Selby is the first fight I saw with Martinez. Actually, I should check. The, I should probably check. I think that was the first one. I think that was the first one. And then uh, Edwards, Charlie Edwards. Um, Arroyo, I know that ended really early. Um, what is the other one I'm thinking about here? I better look it up. Oh, Jay Harris. That's right. Jay Harris. I forgot about that. Um, yeah, Jay Harris. That was the one that I was uh, like, okay, this, this dude's for real. Cause Jay, wasn't Jay Harris coming out with a decent one after that, or am I tripping? Um but yeah, I mean, this is this one's tough, man, because we literally just saw Bam Rodriguez go up, and he was no problem. Now I'm not. That's two different styles. And uh, 
Martinez is aggressive, and he likes to come to you, right? But he he keeps his guard up. He does have a high guard, Martinez. Um, and I, he's had plenty of success with that. You know, a lot of times he works the body, and those hooks and uppercuts, you know, that we see so much from him. Um, yeah, I mean, Martinez himself, by the way, he's going to have to work the body early and often. I mean, he's going to. He's got it. He's got it. Because that's, I mean, Rung Vasai, that's what Rung Vasai, you know, um, Rung Vasai definitely did that. And that's actually what ultimately hurt him. And so he's definitely got a – yeah, that was the first shot that dropped him, wasn't it, in that fight, that run beside fight, the first one, pretty sure. Or no, second one. Um, and, you know, if you work the body enough, then you can start working, you know, with those, with those hooks and straight punching, and you can kind of – turn it into something that makes it look, you know, like a left hand to the body, right hand to the body, and then go up top. Um, But I just, obviously, the old, you know, the the, the getting faded, you know, faded. I mean, not getting faded. I'm going to later tonight. But um, when I really look at it, it's like clearly Roman's not where he was, right? Now, he doesn't look like he did in the second fight versus Rungvisai, obviously. Um, and, you know, he worked his way back into it. And then that Yafai fight where he scored the knockout, that was crazy. And then, you know, obviously uh, his last fight was a really competitive fight. I didn't – speaking of robberies, that one, the, the one of the scorecards was ridiculous, but I didn't see – and I know I'm in the minority here, but I didn't see. Uh, and I'm I'm in the minority, and I'm also biased because I like Estrada a lot. I love Gonzalez, but I have liked Estrada as well the whole time. And he's obviously faded, but has he faded? It's he, I don't know. He hasn't faded more, if that makes sense. Now, clearly, anytime you come off a fight where you got hit that much, right? in his last fight, clearly that could be an issue. You know what I mean? I mean, that's pretty easy to uh, to understand, right? I mean, that it could have been, that could have been it right there. You know what I mean? Like, what we just saw could have been his last, you know, great moment or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, when you look at it, although he landed out, he dished out, 1,300 punches and, and landed almost 400 of them. He got hit with over 300 of them, too. Um, and I get it. I'm not saying, oh, Estrada easily won that fight, dude. It was clean. I'm not saying any of that. That's not what I'm saying. I just didn't think it was a crazy robbery. That's all. Um, but I get it. I Like I said, I'm a little biased on it because Estrada is one of my favorite fighters in this last chunk of you know, generation, and I thought he fought 
the first fight pretty well, and it and it showed how good he was, and I really wanted to see that that rematch. This rematch took a long time, and Gonzalez just kept going up. You know, he kept going up in weight and having big ass fights, and every time. What I liked is Estrada kept following up, him up, up in weight. And so I thought that was like, wow, okay, he really wants this rematch. And then, of course, you know, it was like, well, I need a million. Gonzalez was like, I need a million. Then he needed two million for the fight, um, you know, for the, for the rematch and whatnot. But it was well worth the wait because we got a great fight. We got one of the best fights. Some people thought it was fight of the year last year, and I can't complain about it. You know, I can't argue majorly about that at all. Um to, uh, sorry, I got lost there. Um, I don't know. Like, is Martinez just going to be this guy that's going to come forward in like a whirlwind of punches, or is he going to be able to, you know, move his move his upper body a little bit? You know, I mean that that's the type of stuff he's going to have to do. Like I said, work the body, try to grind, grind the old man down, and then try to hit him, you know, with something like. Uh, you know, fake the body, boom, left hook, you know. Can he do that little minor, you know, it's just, I don't know, man. I, I Like, do you want to Do you want get into a bunch of back and forth, you know, and exchanges and just, just to say the telephone booth fight so much if you're Martinez? Because Gonzalez will do that, no problem. No problem. But he also, you know, he'll also take his time. Um, he's active. He's active as hell, but he does. I don't know. I, I just think when I mean take his time, like he'll be patient enough to get over the hump, you know. Now, that's if he doesn't get old, old overnight in that last fight, like I said. Could have taken a lot out of him. I mean, it took something out of him, but we just don't know exactly how far it's taken out of him. You know what I mean? Stuff to say. But I do have – I'm going to go with Roman Gonzalez on this one. Could he knock him out? Yeah, he could. He definitely could. I'm going to say no, though. I'm going to have to look into that number from a betting perspective. But I'm going to go with Gonzalez. So I'm taking the favorites. He's barely a favorite. But I'm going Roman Gonzalez. To win that, that's on Saturday night. Like I said, it's a it's a good weekend. Coming off a great weekend, this looks on paper to be a really good weekend. Uh, so yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, so there's a couple of items, news items that I'm going to get to here, um, and uh, of course we have the boxy Twitter segment, right? Um, I also see Portland. Hosway 503. If he wants to join in a little later, you're more than welcome to. I know it's a random Wednesday night, kind of late. It's 11:21 Central. I mean, I stay up late anyway, so it's not late, late. But I've had a long ass day, so it is start to you know get a little late. So I apologize for people that were planning to call in tonight and listen and whatnot. Um, but yeah, since the last time we talked, there's a variety of news items. Right off the bat, though, let's talk about this uh, Russian fighter stuff. And really, um, Russian athlete in general, okay? 
so I remember seeing not just in boxing, but I remember seeing a variety of news, sports news that, you know, that, um, that they like big soccer slash football games, right? Like taking place in Russia, right? They, they moved this, a couple major events out of there, right? I know there was a fight. Oh, excuse me. That just got canceled. You know, like I said earlier, if it's the Olympics, I mean, in 1980, the U.S. didn't go to the Olympics. Summer of my coach, uh, my wrestling coach in high school, was on that team. And he had crazy bad luck, dude. So he was the best at his weight. He actually made the all-world team which is like a decade team and uh, meaning you're the best in your way. And so in 1980, he could go to the Olympics, right? Then in 84, he was the favorite to win gold again. And he fucked up his ankle like two weeks before the Olympics. I say that little side story because, you know, the Olympics is a platform that's so huge that I can understand how, no matter who, what country like that, a major country like China or the U.S. or Russia, whatever. Um, and you can, you know, obviously Russia is powerful, but not nearly what they – But my point is that's a little more understandable. Like, hey, you just openly invaded Ukraine for not a good enough reason, although we can, you know, we can point fingers all day if, if we're being honest. As far as you know, peaceful countries, right? And then it getting invaded, but and a lot of propaganda that went with it. But I I kind of understand the the Olympic thing because it's like, well, dude, if, if this is the kind of country you're going to be with so openly like this, like I said, a lot of fingers to be pointed on major powers. The last, I mean, we can go back centuries, right? Like thousands of years, but then I'm getting a little deep on this. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm kind of all over the place. But my point is, I can, I get the Olympic thing. Like this is a this is not just a like like us protesting it, but also the other flip side is let's ban them out of there. But in the same breath, when it comes to just an athlete, and I'm not just trying to specifically talk about boxing, but you know. I think the Russian team, like, say, in soccer, right, slash football, right, like, should they be able to host these major events right now? No, I get it. I get that part. But the, the team itself should still be able to play, you know, in events and stuff like that. And that kind of parlays to boxing. Like, Russian boxers should pay the price for what Putin's doing. I really don't. I think that's ridiculous. There was this uh, there was this tweet from um, one of the sanctioning belts saying we're going to look at it. We may, yeah, it's Paco. The WBA is considering not to sanction world titles and regional belts in Russia, not including Russian boxers, not including Russian boxers. Oh, and not including Russian boxers in its ranking. For as long as the invasion of the Ukraine lasts. 
So you're going to take either not rank Russian boxers or take them out of the rankings? Like, that's bullshit. Like, it's one thing to not sanction a world title as a discipline to Russia for doing this. That's different than just saying, nah, dude, Russian boxers aren't going to be in our rankings anymore. Fuck that. That's bullshit. They don't have anything to do with it. Now, there was that story. It turned out not to be true, I guess. But there was that story of the the boxer who, uh, you know, who was like allegedly a a bodyguard for Putin. And he was pro-Putin and, you know. I guess if you went out of your way to say a bunch of ignorant shit online or something saying, oh, we're, we're going to slaughter these Nazis or, you know, shit like that. Because, you know, we've heard a lot of propaganda that they're, they're, they're you know, from remember that speech he had before the night of the attack, how he was going to, you know, send in peace, make peacekeepers. And even it, these are reports. I don't know how true they are, but um, even some Russian military people kind of thought that. I don't know how many people thought that, but um, I just don't think that you should, well, you know, because Putin said, oh, the leader of Ukraine is a Nazi, you know, and that sounds like propaganda, obviously, but, and like I said, the U.S. has, has done plenty of propaganda and plenty of invasions of sovereign team, you know, uh, sovereign nations and all that. So I'm not, I, I, we could only point our – we talk about NATO. If you, if you want to be honest, the last long-ass time, dude, we need a NATO on us. <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, okay? Um, I'm not just – I just don't bend over backwards to anything. I look at the truth. I don't sit there and just blindly support something. You know, there's stuff I love about America. There's stuff I hate about it. There's stuff that needs to improve. There's stuff that we don't improve on purpose, Right? Our politics is a mess, blah, 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 right? Congress is bought and sold by the corporations. It is what it is. But to sit there and take Russian boxers out of the fucking rankings? Come on, dude. Come on. And some of these dudes that all of a sudden are so pro-American talking about cancel culture. Oh, cancel culture. You know, there a lot of times... A lot of times cancel culture is real and it's bad. Sometimes it's legit, like a racist, outwardly racist person that owns a store. Should they be put on blast? Yeah. Um, but sometimes they use it as a victim, using it the victim form. Like, oh, I got canceled. No, you're just saying Nazi shit, dude. You're, you know, there's no such thing as free freedom of speech on a, on a, on a corporate platform like Facebook or Twitter. There just isn't, dude. If you've been on it long enough, you know you can only get away. If you're a decent-sized account, you can only get away with saying someone's shit, right? But it'll be the dudes that talk about cancel culture and how bad it is that want to cancel these goddamn Russian boxers. So which one is it, dude? I thought you were against cancel culture, but you're ready to cancel fucking Russian boxers? The fuck did they do? What did they do? Why are you canceling them? You're just blindly patriotic? I mean, what, what's that shit? What is that? So cancel culture only works when it's something that offends you. Or no, I'm sorry. If it offends you, then it's cancel. I'm going to cancel. But 
when I'm offended that someone got canceled because I view I have the same views as that person. That person got quote unquote canceled. But then you want to go ahead and cancel these Russian boxers. Fuck that. There's so many. I mean, everyone has contradictions. I get that. You're not human if you don't have contradictions. But when they're so blatant, all day on fucking Twitter, oh, cancel culture, it's going to it's gonna be the rotten evil of our country. Cancel. Yeah, I'd say corporate America in the level of poverty in the richest country in America has a lot more to do with the rot of our country. There's so many layers of shit that's wrong with our country. But to blame it all on cancel culture is just stupid. Then you turn around and cancel people. You know, it's like, just pick pick something, dude. Don't be so freaking contradicting and just let your emotion run wild and cancel Russian boxers. What the fuck do Russian boxers have to do with this war, dude? Like, stop, man. So if we were getting invaded, or I mean, I'm sorry, if we were invading someone, then didn't boxing just cease to exist here? You can't do it. Our boxers couldn't go into different countries. We couldn't go to the UK and fight because why? Why? Why wouldn't they be able to? Uh, I, I just I think it's ridiculous. I think it's way over the top, and it's just it's just uh, it's just telling some people. It's really telling. Uh, speaking of this whole scenario, Alexander Usyk, who went to go fight for his country. I really don't know when I'm going to be stepping back in the ring. My country and my pride are more important to me than a belt. Well said, sir. Well said, man. That's that's a whole lot. Another thing, and this is coming from the same batch of people. And by the way, politically, I don't really fuck with too many Democrats or Republicans. You know, I've only I've voted for one of the two parties twice since I could. And I'm not uh, 31. I'm older. You know what I mean? So I've, I've been voting for a while. And I, I don't so blindly support either party or, or any kind of party. Right? But my point is, then I hear, then I see like Montero and, and many other um, folks in boxing say, oh, U.S. fighters. So it's just their way to say this shit. The U.S. fighters would never fight for their country. You know what's funny is, and I mean we we've been we've had this happen before, right? And I've seen people say, "Oh, look at what Ali Ali had the chance. Look what he did." Well, first of all, what people don't know about that, Ali put himself to be draft eligible, and they turned him down. They said he was flat-footed and something else. They turned Ali. First of all, his name at that time was Cassius Clay, and he put his name in the in the hat, I guess you could say, and they wouldn't pick it out. Then, when he became Muhammad Ali and Muslim, all of a sudden, then they wanted to go to the army. You know, go to the military. So it it, it was super contradicting, and not only that, but he I respect it because that's what America's about. You respect what pe- people's opinions. I mean, not everyone. If they're racist, fuck them. But the whole point is, he did. He got it. You know, he had to go to jail. He was on house arrest. He couldn't make a bunch of money from fighting anymore. He derailed his fucking career because he's like, well, dude, they never called me an N word. Why am I going to go to Vietnam? So my point is, 
just to back it up, because I saw a bunch of slander on that. I had to say that. But I saw this thing that American fighters would never do this. Okay, hold on. So you're telling me if America gets invaded, you don't think people will protect themselves? Are you out of your fucking mind? You don't think there's more guns. There's over 400 million guns in this country. You're telling me that if America gets invaded, that no matter, not in America, but, you know, pretty much most people are going to protect themselves, dude. So to sit here and take a shot at American fighters, and by the way, a lot of our fighters are either Hispanic or black here. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. So they're really just taking shots at that. So it's just funny. Oh, American fighters would never fight for their country. Get the fuck out of here. Well, first of all, we have some, do you know a guy named uh, Mr. Herring? You ever heard of that guy? Because he did go fight for the goddamn country. You know, don't, don't why, why do you find time to send shots at people at time of war? Like, that just shows you, where's your head at? That that's the first thing that's coming to your head. Oh, you know what? Oh, you know what? And it's just a, it's just a way to big up people who are just doing what they should do, you know? Well, when we first heard Mannix talk about Lomachenko was in a different country, those, a lot of those people didn't jump on Lomachenko. But then now Lomachenko's came back to the country. I didn't even know. That was an alleged report by Mannix. I don't even know why I'm I don't, I don't really know exactly what happened there. But anyway, I had to get that out because that's some dumb shit. Don't ban – take Russian fighters out of the rankings because they, their country's at war because Putin's a fucking – you know, a lot of things. That's bullshit. Anyway, uh, Rocha, Alec, Alex – what is it? Alex Rocha and Blair Cobbs. That's a co-feature, by the way. March 19th, co-feature. Okay, Rocha and Cobbs. That's a little bit of fight news there. I know that was kind of random. We're going into the fight news. Now, this is according to Coppinger. Okay. Oops. Just, um, I'm getting repeat messages here. I'll be with you in a second, okay? Like I said, if you're online right now, press 1 and you can join in. If someone's messaging me live during the show and you're on – well. If you're listening to the show, you have to be on the phone right now because you can't listen to the browser once you're in this mode. So go ahead and press one, man. You don't you don't have to just play the message game. You can talk too. Um, anyway, sources say by Coppinger, Golovkin and Murata is April 9th in Japan, and obviously we know if he wins, he will. Uh, and if Canelo wins, then they'll fight September 17th. Um, Tyson Fury, he said, this is my final fight, the Dillian White fight, final fight of my career, I'm retiring after this, I have $150 million in the bank, healthy, young, I'm going to buy a massive yacht abroad, I'm retiring, I'm out, this is my final fight, I'm done, he's done, that's what he said, by the way, it's been reported that 85,000 tickets for that Tyson Fury and Dillian White have been sold. They said three hours, Wembley Stadium. Warren, Frank Warren, uh, has announced that he's started he started to apply to local authorities to increase capacity 
to 100,000 in total, which would break the British boxing attendance record. So that's dope. Look at that. The UK is getting some fights, baby. Um, big fights, too, obviously. What, what, what's my point? Oh, um, there's actually, I'm glad someone sent this to me. Um, there is a fighter, an Indonesian fighter, uh, Hero Tito. Hero Tito. Uh, he fought on Sunday. And unfortunately, um, hopefully he pushes through, but he is actually in a coma. So I wanted to mention him. You know, keep him in your mind. Oh, shit. Someone, someone sent me. I didn't even know this, dude. So, so someone, is this real? Dan Raphael, is this real? He had Taylor up 3-1. <laughs> is that real? Is that on some Chris Mannix stuff? Doesn't he know they're both white, though? Um, I'm not really sorry. Um, damn, dude. Oh, by the way, Paco, uh, the WBO, said Terrence Crawford's mandatory was against Sean Porter last November. Crawford has up to 18 months to face the next mandatory challenger. He wanted to uh, pull that out of there, okay? Okay, listen to this. This is, well, he, he goes by combat columnist now. This is Kevin Ioli. And, and his editor, I want to say that, because a lot of times the writer doesn't get to choose their title. But this is what, the ta- this is the title, Klitschko, an outspoken poop critic may have signed his own death warrant. Dude, what are you fuck? Why, why, why? Dude, it's wartime. What, what are you doing here? Why would you say that? Like, you could say it's true, but it's such a weird headline. Dude's fighting for his country, and you're like, oh, he just signed his death warrant. It's like, dude, what's he not supposed to speak out about? Anyway, um, oh, speaking of the pay-per-view, it sounds like it's going to be 60 bucks. Uh, well, speaking of the Canelo Bivol pay-per-view, we got well March. We skip we skip a month where we don't have a pay-per-view, and then and then we make up for it. We basically have a pay-per-view uh, every month because there's two in April, so that makes up for the skip in March, right? But if you're already a DAZN scri- subscriber, it's sixty bucks. If not, it's eighty bucks. That's what uh, that's what the deal is. Now, if you've been on the month the zone, right? Um, here, here's what it says: New subscribers to the zone can subscribe for ninety nine ninety nine until May second. After the annual, after that, the annual price goes up to a buck fifty a year. So I think that works out. What was it, eleven or twelve bucks, something like that? Um, and it says with the existing subscribers uh, grandfathered in at the current. Hundred dollars, so you could still get your eight thirty three. Just so you know, if you already did the hundred dollar one for the year, all you have to do is re up, and you'll get that same price. But if you're a new subscriber and you go for the year, that's going to be one fifty, so fifty extra dollars. I think it was like eleven or twelve bucks per month, and then. Ah, was the month was the monthly going to go up to twenty five? Don't quote me on that part. I feel like the monthly was going to go up too, but don't quote me on that one. I don't know about that one. I've kind of forgot about. 
But, yeah, because we were talking, like, you know, are they going to give you a free month if you buy the pay-per-view like they did with other Canelo fights? But, obviously, subscribers got Canelo fights, you know, in the subscription, whereas before it wasn't quite. It was a little different. You know what I mean? It was a little different. Um, oh, this is – someone sent me this, too, from, from Mike Tyson on YouTubers becoming boxers. YouTubers are taking over. Well, that's – come on. YouTubers are taking over? Are you talking about Jake Paul or YouTubers are taking over? They can't fight at the same level, but they're more – but they're more, more exciting than fighters. The fighters are not fighting competitive fights. They're fighting guys that they can walk over. I mean, you know, there's this narrative that, you know, we've had, I don't know. There's plenty of stay busy, mandatory shit. I mean, on paper, a couple of these fights in the last, well, several fights in the last year, and even this year, we've seen some major upsets. This last weekend, we had some major upsets, right? But there are plenty of mandatories or just stay busy fight tune-ups, whatever, right? But to sit there and say they're not fighting them, but like, dude, you know how many und- like, we've had a bunch of undisputed lately. We've had a bunch of unifications. So this whole, oh, the best aren't fighting the best. So the you- so YouTuber boxing is taking over, is what you're telling me. Come on, dude. Like, just stop. Taking over. I mean, look at Canelo's last gate, for Christ's sake. I, look at the look at uh, Tyson Fury and White, over eighty thousand tickets sold. That, so they're they're getting. So we're, who's doing that? I mean, come on, dude. Like it's such a silly thing to say. Like, say your stuff about boxing straight up. Just say it. Don't don't do all this other dumb shit. The YouTubers are taking over, bro. They're taking over the sport. You mean a, a you know one singular guy is is rising rapidly? Oh, yeah, that's undeniable. But to sit here and join everybody in, it's just stupid. Oh, here's something interesting, and I've seen this. What was the other fight this happened? Someone help me out. Patty Power have announced that they refunded bets on Jack Catterall to win and have described the split decision for the Josh Taylor as an absolute robbery. So Patty Power, where you can place bets, and I'm pretty sure someone help me out. Anyone that knows, preferably a UK person. Um, what's the other fight that they did that for? It's somewhat recent. I'm not saying within a year. I think it's beyond that for sure. But there was another fight. They said, you know what? Fuck it, dude. We're giving your money back. That was bullshit. And that's legit, dude. That shit don't happen here, dude. <laughs> that shit does not happen here. We ain't going out like that, unfortunately. That's just how it goes. That's just how that goes, dude. We're not taking money back, dude. It's just not happening. Oh, anyway, um, there was some news that came out. Um, It's a triple header, March 22nd, PBC on Showtime, right here live at the Minneapolis Armory, baby. It's coming. Um, so Tim Zhu, Costa Zhu's son, who's been making some noise at 154, and he got himself into mandatory position, and he's chomping at the bit to get one of these big names in the ring. 
Now, shots out to Tim Zhu and his people because he said, you know what? Who runs 154? PBC does. Okay, I'm coming over. I'm fighting there. I'm fighting on the card. He was supposed to be the co-feature on Charlo and Castaño, too. But I do like that that got pushed back, so they're like, screw it, man. Like, why, you know, some of these other fights were on there, too. Why, why? I think that Yoeldis Gomez against Jorge Cotto, once again, where Gomez is in his career, that's a good test. So that's another fight on there. So the main event is uh, Tim Zhu against Terrell Goucher. And Goucher's a solid fighter. You know, it's a good step towards getting to the top. It's not like a complete walkover type fight just to stay busy while you're on the undercard of, you know, waiting type shit, or maybe not even on the undercard. Let's just say he took a walkover in Australia. Well, that wouldn't be that cool, right? So, shots out to him knowing, hey, dude, I gotta join up somehow. Whether I'm co-promoted by them or whatever, I gotta, I gotta go there. and I gotta get my shit. And um, so, Shea's a nice test for him where he's at. Gomez, you know, Yoelvis Gomez, I think that's a good fight. And then, um, and this was Deuce, by the way. Shout out to Deuce. Probably see him. Uh, I saw him at the last fight. I'll probably say what's up to him again, hopefully. Um, he also talked about Riviera going against uh, Adorno. Yep, Riviera. Michelle Riviera and Joseph Adorno. And um, over Deuce's uh, tweet, when he, he's the one who broke the story, um, Jake Donovan said, word is that Riviera Adorno will take place at 138 uh, at the catchway. Because, you know, Adorno obviously is way too much of a risk to be fucking around because he just, you know, he just had some fights canceled. So, um, sign me up for that card. I mean, you don't have to tell me to sign up because I'm, I'm going to that bitch probably. Um, let's see what else we got for combination thing. Oh, here's some Ryan Garcia tweets about the whole Canelo stuff. Cause could, I could have sworn this was an old video, but Canelo came out and said, Hey, you know, I could have sworn this was an old video. Say that I really I thought it was when I first saw it because I think he said this before, but he's saying you know you know you come in there for a little bit then you leave for like a handful of days. Speaking of Ryan Garcia and others, he said this about Andy Ruiz too, but he said uh, then you come back and you come when you're supposed to show up you come late and then say oh Eddie Reynoso doesn't have time, you know. So Canelo basically was saying stuff about Ryan Garcia. And Ryan Garcia, to be honest with you, people are saying, well, you know, why is Canelo doing that? And then some people are saying, well, why why is Ryan talking, saying stuff now? Well, I think Garcia was the one that said he doesn't have enough time for me. That was his original excuse. And then Canelo said something. Now, this is what Ryan Garcia has been talking about on Twitter. Canelo Canelo doesn't know the facts. The first camp I had with Eddie went great. Then everything went bad. He only showed up two weeks before Fonseca fight, and that's when I first asked my manager to talk to him about finding a new trainer. Virgil Ortiz left Eddie because he never showed. Frank Sanchez had a fight where Eddie only showed up the day of the fight, so asked Canelo to explain that. 
Let's stop with the back and forth and focus on the fights at hand. By the way, got nothing but respect, Eddie. It's just the truth. The truth is, it's that not even the, oh, the truth, oh, the truth also is, that's not even the main reason I left. Left deciders to part ways? I, I think he meant to say decided. The main reason why I left deciders to part ways, decided to part ways. Canelo knows why I, I'm just going to keep it to myself and focus on the fight I have. The truth also is that's not even the main reason I left to part ways. Canelo knows why. I'm just going to keep it to myself and focus on the fight I have. So he kept it real vague. He kept it like, huh. And of course, people are alleging he meant, oh, they were trying to, you know, get him to cheat. And so he didn't want to cheat. And he stood up. He stood up to him and all that. You know, and that's what people are trying to say. Um, you know, whatever. Um, okay, let's get to boxing Twitter. Uh, Gary Antoine Russell, Virgil Ortiz, and Arturo Better be have had 49 fights between them, and not one of the 49 fights have gone the distance, 100. And now that's 50, technically. This is an old tweet. <clears throat> Fighters have to stop protecting their O's, then the same dude circling on Twitter, ready to shit on a guy taking his first loss. That That's very true. That is very true. Three Olympians, three wins, and two upsets on Showtime tonight. Good night of boxing. Always a fun card when the underdogs shine. Kudos to BBC and Showtime. That was best uh, boxing Esquire. Good follow, by the way. Very knowledgeable guy. What? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Here we go. Here is the Canelo hater here. What does Canelo do better than Bivol? As far as I can see, Canelo is only better at taking drugs and paying out judges. <laughs> uh, I'm shocked Canelo has taken the fight at 175. I cannot see any advantage Canelo ha- has over Bivol. I'm shocked. Please excited for this fight happening. I'm so happy it's happening that I'm going to shit on Canelo. <laughs> like, well, if you don't think he does anything better, put some money on him then. Canelo's fans telling me GGG is the number one middleweight due to his overall resume. Well, if that's the case, Keith Thurman should be ranked higher than Crawford at welterweight. He says, now, you see how ridiculous that sounds? <laughs> that's kind of funny. Dillian White, this is Deuce again. Dillian White has been begging for validation in the spotlight his entire career. And now he's finally gotten his time on the center stage of the heavyweight division, fighting in Wembley Stadium for the heavyweight championship, and he's gone AWOL. Or AWOL. Wonder if he'll regret it later. It is funny how Eddie's spinning this because you know damn well if Joshua was fighting Fury, Joshua was fighting Wilder, and Wilder didn't even show up to the press conference, hasn't even tweeted it, hasn't done shit. You know damn well Eddie Hearn would be all up in his ass paws. I mean, he would be freaking the fuck out, just like Frank Warren saying this is a disgrace. It is what it is. You know damn well he'd be freaking out. We, you know, we've seen quite. Speaking of Wilder, we, the that remember that press conference where he didn't say much and then he didn't say anything for a while. 
Um, we've seen plenty of people be real quiet at, at, at you know, press conferences. We've seen people uh, sick and didn't show up to press conferences. You know, it is what it is. Um, but it is pretty, pretty strange that he didn't show up. It is pretty strange to me. Uh, GGG easily dealt with Ward's best wins. So Ward's best wins, GGG sparred those people and did and dealt with them easily in the sparring. <laughs> I suppose that that's probably uh, that GGG Ward stuff. Okay. Oh, here's another one. Man, Canelo's got haters, man. But that's what happens when you're, you know, that's on top. Wow, Bivol's sick of Canelo's BS of cherry-picking opponents on short notice. Shows Canelo st- – oh, he, sh- he showed Canelo stay-ready training and first look at his potential showdown, first look at his camp. So basically, you hear what he said, though? So Bivol's sick of Canelo's BS on cherry-picking opponents on short notice. So hold on. Are you saying Bivol's a cherry-pick on short notice, then? Is that what you're saying? I mean, that's what you're saying on this tweet. <laughs> I talked about this last week. First of all, short notice, I mean, this shit's eight weeks away, ten, nine weeks away. That's a camp. And you knew you were in talks the last month at least. Biffle technically had, I wouldn't really call them talks, but last fall when the Caleb Plant fight fell apart momentarily, he was in the mix, at least. Like I said, I don't know how serious it was, but, you know, Eddie Hearn was saying that, so I don't know how serious it was. But to sit there and be like, oh, he's waiting people out. What, what's he – is he making you stay in your house? Is he quarantined? Does Canelo go around and have people check to make sure you're in the house and not in the gym? You can't leave the couch. Stay on the couch. you got to eat three bags of potato chips and drink a bunch of beer and liquor. I mean, come on, dude. So it's Canelo's fault that someone's not working out? What the fuck are you talking about, dude? <laughs> Come on, man. You just said he cherry-picked the guy you think's going to beat him. So he's a ch- he's cherry-picking Bibble? <laughs> what are you talking about, dude? Bibble, if this shit was two years ago, I think that people would be more pumped about this fight. Not casuals, because they don't know, like I said earlier. But when he was on that run where he's beating Joe Smith and Barrett, and shit. I, I, really, I know he'd be like Sean Pascal and stuff like that, but like I don't know. Anyway, back to the tweets. Probellum just Probellum just zone talking a lot about opening up untapped international markets as if they were gold mines, which seems to be code for we can't crack the American business ATM. I mean, that's that, not far from the truth there. Um, Oh, anti-PBC crowd said Canelo versus plant negotiations fell apart because of the free agency. Canelo wanted to remain a free agent, not be tied down to multi-year, and then he turns around and signs a multi-year. That that was all Eddie heard, dude. That was all Eddie heard. Um, you know, he was the one saying. I did get – so Canelo today said Charlo and Benavides need to fight, and then I'll fight the winner. And that's fair. That is fair. I get that. Or even what we talked about before, Charlo fight Plant, and then if he wins, that would earn him a fight. Or if Benavidez and Andre fought, right? Okay, 
because, you know, Eddie was talking about that. Okay, cool. You know, that that's cool. That's fair, you know. But if we're being honest, okay, who did Yildrum fight to get the Canelo fight? Or, I'm sorry, not fight. Who did he beat? Who did Yildrum beat to get the Canelo fight? Who did Rocky beat to get the Canelo fight? Like I was saying earlier, who the hell did Caleb Plant beat then to get it? Now, Callum Smith beat an old, like a, a like an injured and a well past his prime, and especially injured, clearly injured Groves. That's who he beat. He doesn't have all these great wins. He beat a guy that wasn't, you know. What about Golovkin? What about Golovkin? Who did Golovkin beat? He beat Danny Jacobs. So is Danny Jacobs as good as Austin Trout? Is that is that comparable, Austin Trout and Danny Jacobs? I mean, who who did Golovkin beat to get the Canelo fight? And people say, oh, you know, he wanted to fight Cotto, but he got ducked. Okay, well. Charlo wanted to fight Golovkin. The WBC called for Triple G to fight Gol- or yeah, Triple G to fight Charlo. Remember, and the winner gets to fight Canelo again, or you know, if it's Triple G. But he decided not to. And I'm not saying, oh, Golovkin ducked. He he ducked him. No, he didn't duck Charlo. The WBC called it, but he's like, hey, I've already fought in Golovkin. Or Golovkin's thinking to himself. I already fought Canelo, and some people think a lot of people thought I won. So I have to fight Charlo to fight Canelo again? No, that was bullshit. Isn't that why Cotto fought Canelo instead of fighting Golovkin? Because people, all these fanboys of Golovkin, were sitting there saying, oh, Cotto's ducking. He's ducking Golovkin. Yeah, to go fight Canelo. So is that a duck? Is that a big duck? It's like Mikey Garcia. Oh, he ducked Lomachenko, a fight that wouldn't have got made because we know the the, the issues he had with Bob Aaron. But he went and du- he ducked Loma to go fight Spence. Yeah, that's ducking, dude. Come on, man. Come on, dude. And I mean, so Golovkin beating Jacobs gets you the Canelo fight. Is that what you're telling me? How many prime fighters did he beat? And I understand why. I get it. I get why Golovkin had only the faded vets like Murray and stuff like that to fight. I get it because he, he was a, he wasn't worth, you know he was a high risk guy. But it goes back to who well who did he fight? Well, I mean, fuck, who, you know, uh, who did Jacobs fight? He beat so who did Jacobs? Jacobs beat Quillen to get the Golovkin fight? I would say Austin Trout's just as good as Quillen. J-Rock, I think J-Rock technically, well, he has a better win than him. J-Rock and Quillen, that's, that's, I mean, in his biggest fight, Quillen got knocked out in the first round. I liked Quillen, personally. I mean, I don't know him, know him, but we had him on the show plenty of times, and I like the style of fighting, you know what I mean? But, you know, it, it, it just, you know, it is what it is. Like, But like I said, so Golovkin had a tight fight with Jacobs, and that put him in the Canelo. And, and like I said, I, it's the same messages. Dude, literally, 
you're right. This dude just said it. It's like I just said this. Kodo, Kodo ducked Triple G. Yeah, he didn't fight him to go fight Canelo, dude. What are you, stupid? That's the same thing Golovkin did. Google it. The WBC, and that stupid franchise shit, but the WBC called for Golovkin and Charlo to fight. And he didn't fight him. Now, I'm not going to, oh, he ducked him. Okay, well, he went and fought Canelo again, so that's not ducking. It's a way bigger fight for way bigger money. But that's the, that's how boxing fucking works, guys. You know? You get your Abner Marses that make a hell of a run and crotches that make a hell of a run, and there's some fighters that just go boom, 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 one after another. It's rare, but you see it, you know? It helps, like, uh, with the World Boxing Super Series. A lot of times the semifinals and finals were, finals were quality opponents, you know? But come on, dude, with this shit. Like, come on, dude. And I don't think Canelo's ducking Charlo to go fight Bibble. Are you out of your fucking mind? So so let me get this straight. He, so Canelo's ducking Charlo to move up to 75 and fight probably the first or second guy at the weight class. That's a duck? Just repeat that to yourself. Doesn't that sound stupid? And I don't like using a stupid word, but that's stupid as fuck. These fanboys are just, they just, uh, I gotta gotta stop. I gotta stop. (laughs) Okay. Um, Okay. This is Lefty. Shout out to Lefty and Chicken Talk, by the way. Uh, When it's Crawford, so it's when it's Crawford and when it's Canelo. Comparing what the media says, basically, and all the boxing fans on Twitter. When it's Crawford, why are these guys fighting each other instead of trying to fight a champion? When it's Canelo, why are these guys trying to fight a champion instead of fighting each other? Is it Uchiwala or one Mike? And that's just funny as hell. But it is true. Why don't you fight each other? It, that's a funny. That's a funny tweet. That really. That actually does line up. It does line up. Um, I think that's about it. I think that's about it. I think that's about it. I, I don't want to keep going off too much. I mean, you gotta save some. You gotta save some. And I got a variety of messages about the why Russian boxers should be banned and all that. Come on, dude. Like, come on, man. Why? Why? But you're down to watch the Bivol fight. So you so you want all Russian boxers to be banned, but Bibble Bibble's cool because I want to see Canelo and Bibble, right? Which one? Which one is it? But I don't I don't I think that's bullshit. I do not think that they should ban Russian fighters or anything like that. And there was a lot of tough talk early. Some of that has you know been pulled back <laughs> uh, somewhat. But anyway, late night show. I'm gonna get out of here. Enjoy the fights Friday and Saturday, folks. We'll be back next week. Um, I may do the show on Monday. My schedule's a little wacky, so I may do it on Monday. Either way, be back. Peace. Once you become the world champion, I believe that you feel you have the upper hand. So now, when, because you.